welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Ramsey Heights. I'm so excited you've taken time this morning to to gather with us online for worship and study God's Word together. I really hope that this message means something to you and brings something to you. If you are uh, meeting with us this morning, you're watching this, you found this on Facebook or somebody sent it to you, I just want to welcome you. I hope that when this is all over, you will gather with us in person at Ramsey Heights. It's a wonderful place to be, and I think you would really enjoy it. I had this awesome idea that since there is such a damper on everything in the world with coronavirus, COVID-19, all the problems we're experiencing, and since we can't meet together and we're having to record our messages anyway, what if we recorded our messages in somewhere different around Batesville every week? So today I'm coming to you from the upper end of Polk Bayou. I hope that these scenes bring you some joy. I hope that this is something that that keeps this intriguing and interesting for you. Um, You can hear, I hope you can hear the water rustling off to my right you can't see it but I hope you can hear that and that just brings some peace and calming to you this morning last week we started a new series called focus and I I really think this is something God wants us to hear in this exact moment in time in history I told you the story of Horatio Spafford and how he wrote the song it is well through some of the most trying times of his life after losing five children and being in complete economic ruin if you didn't catch that message I want to invite you to go back on Facebook and find it you can find it also on our YouTube page or um, we have a new option podcast that you can find it just search at Ramsey Heights and you'll be able to find that that was an excellent message I think you'll really enjoy it it'll bring you a lot of peace and comfort but since we looked at that song last week I thought we might look at another song this week that we would enjoy this is the story of Helen Lemel she wrote over 500 different hymns throughout her lifetime. We're going to talk about her most popular and her most famed one today. Now, this song all started when she was handed a gospel tract by a friend named Lilas Trotter, also a woman who was passing out these gospel tracts, trying to influence people to, to move towards Jesus, give their life to Christ. Helen was already a Christian, but she found some specific peace in a line of this gospel tract. It reads this. It says, So then, turn your eyes upon him. Look full in his face and find that the things of this earth will acquire a strange new dimness. Now this connected with Helen. She was going through a horrible time in her life. See, she had gotten married. Her life was going good. She was writing this hymn. Some of them had become famed. Um, She was serving God and then tragedy struck. Over time, she began to lose her eyesight to the point of eventual blindness. Her husband decided that he had married her for her to serve him and not for him to serve her. And so thinking that he wanted nothing to do with taking care of a blind wife, he abandoned her. Helen was uh, blind, she was helpless, and she was abandoned. And this little bit of a concept of focusing on Jesus Christ and letting the world grow dim around her appealed to her. It caused her to sit down. Even though she was blind, she was still writing hymns. She would, she would sing the words and have somebody record them while she pecked on a piano. And she wrote the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, that maybe you've already figured that out by now. The verse of, I'm sorry, the the chorus of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus goes like this. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim, listen, in the light of His glory and grace. See, Helen 
had a hard time and she found peace in looking at Christ. That's what I hope that we can do with all the problems we have right now, with the virus running rampant across our world and across our nation, is I hope that the things of this world will grow strangely dim as we focus on the light of Jesus Christ, glory and grace. By the way, that, that pamphlet that was headed, handed to Helen, the name of that pamphlet was focused. It was all about turning your eyes on Jesus in circumstances just like this. I've noticed that so many of the people that wrote powerful hymns did it in hard times. And they seem to have a rock that they cling to, and that was Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn just like you're at church. Turn into it. Pay attention. Last week I reminded you to turn off your TV and all the distractions. I'm going to do that again. If you'd like to turn to John chapter 10, verse 11, we're going to look at another thing Jesus said. Last week Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And we ask ourselves, what is Jesus revealing to us about himself by saying, I am the light of the world? This week we're going to look at another quote and see what we can learn about him, but maybe also about how he feels about us. This is John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now chances are you've probably heard this before. We're going to really unpack this and see what does it mean for Jesus not to just be a shepherd but to be the good shepherd. It's very important. To understand what Jesus is saying here, you need to understand a couple of things about the Bible. Number one is that everything in this book was written relatively in the Middle East over 2,000 years ago. This was a very agricultural society and this was written at a time when um, shepherds were a class of people that was very popular. We live in a relatively rural area of Arkansas. We're familiar with livestock, but Middle Eastern livestock um, habits and how people take care of them is much different than what we're familiar with. So these shepherds, when we talk about shepherds in the Middle East, they actually devoted their life to taking care of the sheep. Shepherds did not live in houses. They lived in the fields where their sheep were. They took care of them day and night. They guided them. They were responsible for making sure they found food. They were making, responsible for making sure they were healthy and taking care of them all of the time. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, it means that he is caring for our every need. Now, the reason we are familiar with God being a shepherd is probably because of Psalms 23. You, you've heard it before, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Later on, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the shepherd. He's identifying those traits of a shepherd taking care of sheep, we're the sheep, taking care of the sheep that he has in his love and his care for us. Now, if you look at Psalm 23, I don't have time to, to unpack the entire psalm, but I just want you to think about some of the parts that you're familiar with. You can go back and read it later if you want to. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My, my needs have been provided for. He causes, or he leads me beside the, the still waters. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He's a leader. Um, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Later it talks about him feeding and caring for us. He anoints my head with oil. He has all of the aspects of a shepherd taking care of his sheep. So how does this relate to us? Well, first we need to focus on what Jesus is really saying when he says, I am the shepherd. What does it mean that he is caring for us? There's a key word in here that I don't want us to look over. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, it would be awkward if Jesus had said, I'm the bad shepherd. But he says, I'm the good shepherd. Why did he need to identify that to us instead of us just assuming that he was a good shepherd? Well, if you read on after uh, verse 11, we're not going to read it, but Jesus goes into this detailed discussion about the difference between a good shepherd 
and a hireling. See, in the Middle East, shepherds can take care of a flock of roughly 50 to 100 by themselves. That would be a full-time job living and taking care of the flock. Anything more than that, they would have to hire somebody to come in, the hireling as it is put in the scripture past this. Now, Jesus goes on and talks about that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, but the hireling does not. Now part of the reason the shepherd stays with his sheep all the time is not because he has to teach them to eat in the middle of the night, but sheep are very easily harmed. There's a lot of predators out there that love to catch uh, sheep. They're somewhat slow, they offer a lot of meat, and so bears and lions in this area are known to come attack the sheep. And the shepherd's job is to protect the sheep from this. Jesus talks about the hireling. He says when the predator comes, the hireling runs away for his own safety. But he says, not me. I lay down my life for the sheep. See, there was another shepherd mentioned in Scripture. His name was David. And before he went into battle with Goliath, you've heard the story of David and Goliath. Before he went into battle with Goliath, he tells the king and his brothers that are trying to talk him out of this, he says, you don't understand. He said, when the bear and the lion come and take my sheep, I chase them and I grab a hold of them and I take the sheep out of their mouth. And when they turn to harm me, I kill them. And David, just to make sure we didn't miss how macho he was as a shepherd taking care of the sheep, he says, I have killed both bears and lions. He was risking his life fighting with his hands bears and lions to protect the sheep. And Jesus reminds us, he says, this is my job. He said, I will put my life in harm's way to protect you, my sheep. So all of this difference between a hireling and the good shepherd comes from this concept of ownership. Shepherds usually own their flocks and they devoted to so much of it because of their value. So what we actually see when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's talking about his commitment to his sheep, his commitment to to us. Now there's a simple equation I want you to remember that, that talks about value and it's very simply value equals what we are willing to sacrifice for something. Have you ever been shopping and going to the mall or Walmart and you see something you want and you pick it up and go man I'd really like to have that and you flip over the price tag and your eyes get big and you lose your breath a little bit and you say uh, but it's not worth that. See the value of that particular item to you is not you're not willing to sacrifice enough to get to the value that is being asked for. So the value of that particular item is lower than the asking price. Jesus says this about his sheep. He tells us about his heart for us. He reveals his heart to us and his value to us by saying, the value of my sheep is my life. What else could somebody give besides their life? Now this is not an uncommon concept. You think, who would die for some stupid old smelly sheep? A shepherd would, and this is the reason. In the original Latin, the word shepherd is, I'm sorry, the word money is very close to the word sheep. And the reason for that is that sheep were of great wealth. As a matter of fact, many people counted their wealth in wool, which of course comes from sheep. So when you measure your wealth in wool, it becomes a type of currency. You start to see the sheep that the wool comes from as very valuable to us. This is what Jesus is saying to us when he says, I am the shepherd. He's saying, I have a commitment to you because your value is very great. Very simply, Jesus says this. He says, you are my wealth. Think about this, the God that created the heavens and the earth, that controls everything in the world. There's only one thing He cares about. It's you and me. He cares about us because we're made in His holy and perfect image. He loves us in a way He loves nothing else in the world. 
He's willing to give our life to us. So how does this concept connect with the sheep? What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the shepherd? What does it mean for us, the sheep, especially in this trying time? If you read on down to verse 14 in chapter 10 of John, it says, I am the good shepherd. He repeats this. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. This is what he says. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He said, I know my sheep and they know me. I want to focus on that word know. What does it word what does it mean to know something? This means to recognize with an intimate knowledge of a person. See, my wife's name is Jessica. We're married and have been for about three years now. And um, every once in a while, she acts differently. And I'll ask her, I'll say, babe, what's wrong with you? And she'll always give me the same answer. Nothing's wrong. And what's my answer to her saying nothing is wrong? I said, babe, I know you. I've got an intimate knowledge of you. And I know that this is not regular you and that something is not right. You might not notice that about my wife because you don't know her like I do. But I notice it because I know her with a deep and intimate knowledge. So what Jesus is saying is he says that he knows you. He knows your failures. He knows your problems. He knows your fears. He knows your anxieties. He knows your wants and needs. He knows them all with a very intimate knowledge. He knows exactly what you need and when you need it. It should bring comfort to us. Uh, sheep herders over in, in Lebanon were studied and it was found that they didn't even count their sheep. They might have a herd of 50 or 100 or 150 sheep and when they brought them into the sheepfold, they did not count them at night to make sure that they were all there. Why didn't they count them? Well, one shepherd was asked, he said, aren't you going to count your sheep and make sure you're not missing anything? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't have to count them. I know them all. I can look at this herd of sheep and know which sheep in particular is missing. See, a shepherd has a deep knowledge of his sheep. He goes on to tell us, uh, the same shepherd goes on to tell us, he said, as a matter of fact, if you were to put a blindfold on, to me, on me and bring me in here with all my sheep, he said, I could tell you which sheep was missing just by feeling the head of each one. That is an in-depth knowledge of sheep that he would know each one individually. That's how God knows us. The Bible tells us that he knows how many hairs on each are, are on each of our heads. He knows everything about us, which means that he knows what we're experiencing in this present moment with coronavirus and the panic and the, and the epidemic that's going on around us. So what do the sheep know about the shepherd? Well, when you spend that much time with something, you start to rely on it. The sheep start to rely on shepherds. Shepherds, because they spend so much time with their sheep, they love their sheep. You have to love them to be willing to protect them with your life. Shepherds are very um, easily entertained, you might say. Shepherds play a game with their sheep where they will start to walk away. And when the sheep notice, they take off running. And as the shepherd runs away from the sheep, all of the sheep look up and they take off and they follow their shepherd. When the shepherd finally stops laughing and the sheep come around him, they don't just stop near him. They gather around him, they rub up on him, and they celebrate the fact that they have found their shepherd. See, sheep have a deep underlying trust and love for the shepherd because he provides for their needs. He protects them. And because he is committed to them, they experience that and they are committed back to him. They will follow him anywhere, even in dangerous places. 
Stories of shepherds crossing a stream like this with the water flowing. They will walk out into the water and the sheep will follow them full of trust. You know why sheep will walk into a flowing stream or a flowing river with the fear of being swept away when their shepherd goes? is because they've learned that the shepherd has their best interest at heart. Shepherds will stand downstream as the sheep cross, and if any of them gets swept away, he dives after them, captures, catches them, and carries them on his shoulder across the river. Some shepherds are reported to have to drive their, fo- uh, their flocks down a, um, a, a, a sidewalk type thing. And on either side of this sidewalk, there are crops. It would be a good place for sheep to graze. But these shepherds have such a relationship with their sheep that they can take 50, 100, and 150 sheep down this narrow walkway without a sheep ever trying to get to the crops to graze or to eat because they trust their shepherd's leadership. Now I want to ask you a question about this. When we talk about the relationship between sheep and shepherd, we know that the shepherd never changes. His love goes on forever. But what, did what I just described about the sheep having complete trust and comfort in their shepherd describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you see him as the shepherd that way? And here's how you know. Have you had fear or anxiety over the past several weeks? Have you worried about something, whether you're going to have enough food? Have you worried about if you're going to get sick? Have you worried about your loved ones? If you have, you do not have, if you have worried about that, you do not have complete and total trust in the shepherd. And that's okay. I'm not sitting here and saying that I figured it out. We're on this journey together. I'm still learning to trust God just like you are. But I want to ask you this question. Why is it that we can't trust God like the sheep trust their shepherd? I think it's because of this. We miss seeing God as our shepherd because we don't view ourselves as sheep. And because we don't view ourselves as sheep, we don't think we have a shepherd that takes care of us. But what does it mean to view yourself as a sheep. Well, you've probably heard this preached on before, and what we always say about sheep is sheep are so helpless and dumb. And that is something we have to swallow, is that we are completely and utterly, totally helpless and lost without our shepherd, without Jesus Christ. Are we dumb? Well, honestly, when you compare yourself to Jesus Christ, His infinite knowledge, everything He knows about us, and how much He loves us, and then you look at ourselves and all the dumb things we get ourselves into, Yeah, we're a little bit dumb. But the part of being a sheep that we need to realize today, in the middle of panic and anxiety, is we need to realize what I talked about earlier, is the value of sheep. See, sheep are the wealth of the shepherd. And you and I are the wealth of Jesus Christ. And when we start to view ourselves that way, it changes our perspective on the world around us. See, the basis of Christianity is realizing our value to Jesus Christ and His love for us in return. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Maybe this will help make it more clear. My favorite actor is Tom Hanks. Now, I don't love Tom Hanks because he just inspires me to want to be like him. I love Tom Hanks because of the way he acts. He does so many different movies in different ways that it just captivates you all the time. Tom Hanks did a movie called Castaway. It was literally him on an island with a volleyball for two hours. And you're captivated by this movie because he is such a great actor. When there is a dramatic story that somebody wants to tell, a real-life story, where they need an actor to play a real-life hero or a real-life character, they call on Tom Hanks. One of those movies was called Captain Phillips. It was about the captain of the ship that was um, captured by Somali pirates in 2012. And Tom Hanks played Captain Phillips. And the movie Saving Mr. Banks 
Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. As a matter of fact, when I first watched this without even knowing who was in the movie, I was convinced that they had actual video of, Tom, of uh, Walt Disney in black and white and they were playing it. And then I looked closer and I said, I, that's not quite exactly Walt Disney. When I looked it up, it's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks also recently played Mr. Rogers in a movie. Now the reason that Tom Hanks is such a great actor is because when you turn on the movie, you do not see Tom Hanks. You see the character he's playing. Not all actors, not even all great actors are like that. When you watch a John Wayne movie, it's John Wayne playing a role. Compare that to Tom Hanks, who becomes the character. Why is Tom Hanks such a great actor? I'm getting to a point, stick with me. Tom Hanks, uh, his acting style is something called method acting. Now what method acting is, is you don't study how to move and how to make your facial expressions match and then pretend to act like somebody. Method acting means that these actors do what they can to actually become the person. Tom Hanks and other method actors like him will often stay in character for days or weeks at a time. They will leave their family and live away from their family. They stay in character no matter what. They actually change their thought processes to become more like the character. They sacrifice everything to live the life of the person they're portraying, whether the cameras are on or not. When they go to lunch, they change their diets. When they go home, they change their entertainment to reflect what they think that character would like. Therefore, they actually become the character that they're portraying. Now, here's the point of everything I just told you, is that in order for Tom Hanks to be such a great actor, he has to sacrifice his individual identity and assume a new identity. Now listen to me, maybe you've never heard this, but when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, this is what you're called to do. You're called to sacrifice your personal identity to become somebody new. See, the Bible says that we have become a new creation. It talks about putting off the old man and becoming the new man. Jesus told, talked to a man about having to be born again. It's a sacrifice of who you were to become who God has called you to be. And in the example we're using today, and what Jesus says about being the shepherd, He's called us to be the sheep. And that our new identity should be wrapped up in the value that He has for us. Not in our own merits, not at how good we are in our jobs, not at how adapt we are to saving ourselves from this global pandemic. It's in the value He has for us. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, he was what I like to call a super-Christian. He had achieved this. He had sacrificed his identity as Paul the Pharisee. And he said, I don't matter. My identity is in the fact that Jesus Christ loves me and dies for me. See, here's something that we miss about Christianity. We try to add Christianity to our life. We take the life that we have and we put Jesus Christ in it and we say, great, now I get to go to heaven. I'm the same me, but now I have Jesus as part of my life and everything's going to work out well for me when I die. We try to supplement our life with Jesus Christ. But that's not... That's not what the Bible calls us to. Think to Tom Hanks. His role has to consume him for him to become that character. For us to become true followers of Christ, our identity has to be consumed by Christianity. It is not part of our life. Our love for Jesus Christ and our view of Him as, a, as the shepherd is our entire life. Now when you think about the value God has for you, when you think about everything that He is willing to do for you, 
when you think about Jesus Christ as your shepherd and then you say, my value, my identity is found in the fact that God loves me, it makes everything else in the world grow strangely dim. Because in the light of a virus, a little microscopic virus running around the world, compare that to the light of a God who will love you, not just all you walk this earth, but who's going to love you into eternity and you get to spend eternity worshiping and celebrating Him in heaven. That, that sickness grows a little bit dim. When I worry about my well-being, am I going to have the supplies I need? Is the economy going to take my job away? Am I going to grow sick and go in the hospital and get a lot of bills? Possibly am I going to get sick and die? When I take that and I put it in the light of God's glory and grace, when He says, I am with you and I am your shepherd and I'm going to take care of you no matter what, those things fade away and they don't matter very much. What I'd like for you to do today is look in a mirror in this time of crisis and ask yourself, what is my identity? And is my identity causing me to worry? Is my lack of being a sheep in my life, my lack of trusting the shepherd, causing me panic and stress and anger and worry that I don't have to live with? Jesus never told a lie. You know what he said? He said, I lay down my life for my sheep. He wasn't just bragging. He wasn't just saying, I'm willing to die for you. Jesus practiced this. See, when we were due to die for our sins, Jesus Christ went to the cross and He died for us. He didn't die because it was just something He was supposed to do to tell a nice story. He died specifically for you so that you could have eternity with Him. He gave His life to save yours, just like a shepherd fights off a bear or a lion, sacrificing their life to save the sheep. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't view yourself as a sheep. You have to be immersed and consumed by this identity of Jesus Christ. You have to accept through faith His grace that just says that He loves you and that you are His most valued possession. I'd like to invite you today to do that if you haven't. Once again, I said this last week, if you would like some help with this, if you need to understand a little bit more about Jesus Christ, please contact us through our Facebook page. I will personally walk through, you, through this with you and answer any questions you have. This week, I hope that we all focus on Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I'm going to help you focus this week by posting a challenge every day on our Facebook page to help you help you have your life consumed by being a follower of Christ. So each day, I want you to log on to our Facebook page, look for that challenge, and make the decision now. Don't wait till you see what it is. That whatever that challenge is, that's going to help you be more consumed by Jesus. I will do it every single day. Let's pray as we end our worship together. Father in heaven, God, we just thank you that you are who you are. Lord, we thank you for being the good shepherd. God, we thank you for your love for us, that you would die for us. God, we thank you that you promise us in your word that you are here to comfort us and take care of us. God, we just pray that as we go through this week that you take our minds off the problems that we have. You help, them, you help us focus them on you, God, and your love for us, and that we find comfort and peace in being with you. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you'll be back with us next week, and I cannot wait until we get to gather again. I miss all of you so much. I hope to see you soon. Until then, God bless.